everyone. Hello, y'all. And thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Mouth of the South podcast. Um, welcome to the ramblings of a progressively optimistic truth teller. I am that truth teller. My name is Shayla. And I'm so glad y'all could tune in. So happy, so happy to be here with y'all today. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this first episode, let me tell you guys a little bit about myself. Give you guys my little um, elevator introduction, if you will. So, um, like I said, my name is Shayla. I am a 30-year-old black woman, born and raised in the South, Huntsville, Alabama, to be exact. Um, I have a black man as my partner, and I love my baby very, very much. I have a grumpy old dog named named Chico, grumpy old Shizu. He's my perfect dog because he's grumpy and I'm grumpy and we're just grumpy together. Um, (laughs) I am a big sister. I am the eldest of my siblings and I'm the only girl, the only woman. So I've been telling people about themselves for a very long time. Um, I'm also an auntie. I have a couple of nieces and nephews and I am very, very proud of my nieces and nephews They are definitely the coolest kids this side of the Mississippi. I am an RN by trade, a registered nurse. Um, I went to the University of Alabama in Huntsville and got my BS in nursing back in 2012. So since then, I have done all types of nursing within healthcare. When I tell y'all all types... That is not being facetious, all different types of nursing. And this year I am kind of in transition um, or in the state of transitioning out of healthcare and trying to, you know, take my talents elsewhere. Um, we'll get more into that tea in later episodes. You know, I ain't going to spill all my tea in the introduction, but, you know, there's that. Um, <laughs> uh, I am a progressive a uh, progressive idealist, if you will. I do believe that true progressive policies have the potential to change American government as we know it and get us out of this um, impasse that we're in in America right now where we're just consistently stuck between a rock and a hard place, it feels like, um, in politics nowadays. So, I'm definitely a progressive, a huge Senator Bernie Sanders stan, flips hair, not me, us, forever and ever, ever. Um, What else? I am a huge basketball fan. I love basketball. I love NBA, WNBA. I could probably watch a little bit of international, Um, but I don't fuck with the NCAA, so don't ask me about no March Madness because I don't fuck with it. Um... But I love basketball, and LeBron James is not only my favorite player, he's the greatest player I've seen in my lifetime, and I will argue that with anyone, and we will definitely discuss that on further episodes. I won't give y'all too much on LeBron today, because y'all probably going to tune out, but it's cool. Just know um, he is the king. Also, I'm probably one of the few people in Alabama that don't really fuck with college football, 
because you know it's earlier stated fuck the NCAA um the last time I can remember that I was super excited about college football was probably when Cam was at Auburn like what was that 2010 yeah that that has to be it that has to be the last time I got excited about college football because that was just one of the blackest things I had seen in college football in a long time. I am also a lover of extremely black things. I don't know if that's apparent to you guys yet, but it's one of my favorite things to experience. Uh, that may be, oh, and last but not least, I can't forget that I am a huge Star Wars fan. I make a lot of Star Wars references, so if you gotta get on Wikipedia, you know, make it happen, but I am well in tune with the Force. You know, the Force is within me, and I am within the Force, very much so. I couldn't be a Jedi, though, like, I just didn't see it happening. I definitely couldn't be Sith. I just don't have enough, um, want for obscene power enough uh bitterness enough um old white manness in my heart to ever be sith but um i just really couldn't i couldn't be jedi either i'd be somewhere in between because the jedi just remind me too much of establishment democrats and i just can't does not compute i just it's a lot of emphasis on a lot of emphasis on order and decorum and having the high moral ground and being this, you know, um, figurehead of moral standing, pretty much. But as you continue to do that, your people are suffering and half of your leaders are palpatining. So it just kind of, it does not compute for me. But I would definitely be somewhere in between. I would, I honestly feel... That and, and stick with me on this. I honestly feel that I am. If Sokotano and Senator Amadala Padme, if they had a love child, okay, just stick with me on here. Just just come with me into my world. If they had a love child, and they decided, you know, instead of dealing with Anakin and staying on Coruscant, you know, they're gonna make a run for it. They're gonna take their love out of the galaxy to another galaxy completely, uh, the Milky Way to be exact, and then they're going to go to the one habitable planet in the galaxy, which is Earth, of course, and they're going to raise that love child in Alabama. That would be me. <laughs> oh, okay, so <laughs> if I haven't alienated you know most of you with my nerd lingo we're gonna go ahead and get started with some progressive shit before we discuss the disaster that is joseph r biden jr i want to take this moment to uplift and virtually embrace my fellow progressives in this progressive movement i know it's been hard for us Ever since, and I mourn this daily, ever since Bernie dropped out of the presidential race, it's been so tough watching 
Biden have Bernie's spot, where I believe Bernie should be. <laughs> it's been really tough to watch that, but at the end of the day and at the end of it all, no matter how much I may disagree or if I feel, you know, in my heart of hearts that Bernie should have just kept on fighting, that's a selfish um a selfish want of mine, you know, because you put all your support behind your candidate. And if you feel in your heart of hearts that your candidate is the best person to lead the nation into a different tomorrow, considering what we are experiencing right now, <laughs> when you feel your candidate is the best option for that, it's kind of hard to let that go. So I do want to reach out to my fellow progressives and tell y'all we got to still keep fighting. We got to still keep moving. Bernie's still fighting. He in the Senate. I just seen um, an interview he did with the Young Turks yesterday, and he still had he still has his foot on the establishment's neck, and I will continue to do the same. I um, will follow his lead. So speaking of the Senate, we can go ahead and get into uh, some of this legislation that Miss Rona has finally pushed to the forefront, um, not to make light of this pandemic. Um, when I say Miss Rona, it is out of the utmost respect, okay? The utmost respect for um, this crazy time that we're all going through right now. But the dark cloud that is a global pandemic has had a slightly silver lining. A lot of the legislation that has been pushed to the forefront due to this global pandemic is policy change that the is policy changes that progressives have been trying to get past, have been trying to bring to the forefront. Um, so we got the CARES Act a couple months back. Uh, that was our first round of Hopefully not our only round, child, but our first round of um, coronavirus relief. And now the Democrats in the House have passed the HEROES Act, um, which is going to be the next round of coronavirus relief, coronavirus aid. Um, it includes state and local aid, another round of $1,200 direct payments, pay raises for frontline workers, an extension until January of the unemployment compensation, um, the extra, I think, $600 a week that is given um, from the federal government on top of whatever state relief that you receive for your unemployment insurance, um, and a raft of other measures. Of course, um, Trump and Mitch McConnell, who I like to call Count McConnell, Trump and the Count, they have already said, they have already made it known that when this bill reaches the Senate, it's going to be dead on arrival. So we are um, at an impasse yet again in the in the state of our legislation and in the state of if our elected officials will truly get the relief passed for their constituents that they need. Let's see if I can find that quote from Cal McConnell, child, because he um, has some very choice words about the HEROES Act. And I quote, Democrats cannot stop salivating, salivating over the possibilities for partisan gain. 80,000 Americans have died. More than 20 million have lost their jobs. I call that a crisis. They call it leverage. Well, Count McConnell, you never cease to annoy me. I honestly giggle when I read this because when I tell you the Count thought he had a bar, okay, he thought he had just dropped 
the hottest diss record to Democrats that he had ever dropped in his life. He just knew he had a bar. He just knew that people were just going to see this quote in this NPR article and just, you know, let the Democrats have it. Like, how dare y'all use this coronavirus pandemic to try to get unemployed people money? I mean, the partisanry, the unmitigated gall of you Democrats to really try to use this global pandemic as leverage? How, I mean, Count McConnell was gripping his pearls at the fact that people actually still need help during this time. People still unemployed. Those 20 million you're talking about, they still need their unemployment insurance. So Kentuckians, that's y'all senator, and he's up for re-election this year. So if you are a an unemployed Kentuckian trying your best to get your unemployment insurance. If you are a Kentuckian that has been affected by coronavirus, your family has been affected by coronavirus, you've been laid off, your kids can't go to school, remember all of this when you go to the voting booth in November. Remember this when you get ready to cast your vote for Count McConnell because he does not give a flying fuck about you or your family. He'd rather cast aside all the troubles, all the trials and tribulations that your family is going through, he'd rather just cast that aside as if it's just a partisan game. So remember that. I think he has, you ain't even got to vote for the Democratic candidate. I think he has some more uh, Republicans voting against him. If you're just, if you're such a Kentuckian, I know how folks that are down here in the South, you try to get these Southern White people, let me just go ahead and say, try to get these Southern white people and Southern black people, I'm going to get on y'all too because y'all funny acting about y'all vote too. But these Southern white folks, y'all going to have to break that tradition today. I know some of y'all probably done voted for Mitch McConnell since 1984. I understand that, but look at the facts and look at the receipts, honey. You're going to have to break that. So I will be paying attention to this Heroes Act. We shall see how it goes. Um, right now it's not looking good. <laughs> the Republicans in the Senate. And that's what really just throws me, because I'm like, can't, can't Republicans catch coronavirus too? So, like, how do you expect for your constituents to continue to, continue to vote for you when you vote again, if you vote against this bill? I think it's very important to look into that. Know, know what your uh, senators are voting for. Know what your house, what your representatives are voting for. And see if they vote for your best interest in this time. That is very important come November. A lot of these people are coming up on election time and they may end up losing their seats. It's important to recognize who actually has your back and who actually will do the work for you when they get into the office. So more power to the uh, progressive Democrats who are trying to get this bill passed. I know Bernie Sanders has his work cut out for him in the Senate. Um, I had one more person that I wanted to shout out. Oh, and you moderate Democrats, let me get on y'all real quick because y'all get on my nerves. A lot of y'all moderate slash conservative, I'm doing air quotes right now. You can't see me, but the air quotes are heavy. A lot of you moderate slash conservative Democrats, y'all voted against this bill for the same reason as Count McConnell. Talking about it's, it's not going to get passed because it's... um. It's a wish list, and we need to bring legislation to the table that can actually become law. Y'all looking real funny in the light. Moderate and conservative Democrats, your, your Sith is showing. Not your slip, but your Sith, okay? 
wise progressivism and wise conservatism go hand in hand. Now the progressives got it. Conservatives, y'all gonna get wise with us or not? We waiting. I wanted to shout out a few of the um, progressive representatives. Uh, Democrat from Connecticut, Re- Representative Rosa DeLauro, DeLauro. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I'm Southern. Um, she says she's just like Bernie Child. She's been fighting for these these um, enforcements of a social safety net, net. She's been fighting for this for a long time. And of course, you know, we're going to really push that agenda forward now because the safety net is being pushed and tested more than it has probably since 2008, probably more than since 2008 because we didn't even get a bail out there, child. They ain't care about no, nobody. Ain't nobody have a house to live in in 2008, child. They ain't care. They was like, we have to give J.P. Morgan the bag, okay? <laughs> so let's transition on into... Joseph R. Biden Jr., child. The establishment has tried their best. They have formed like Voltron behind Joseph R. Biden Jr. to get him these votes, and he is trying his best to lose these votes. (laughs) Oh, and Southern black people, this is the time I'm going to let y'all have it. So Joseph R. Biden Jr. was on The Breakfast Club recently with Charlemagne the God. It was about a 17-minute long interview, and I wish I could tell you what was said. Outside of the disastrous ending where Joseph R. Biden Jr. decided to tell us, black Americans, that if we don't vote for him over Trump, then we're not black. Outside of that, and his handler, you know, yelling for him to be, for him to wrap it up because they don't have much time. Um, that's pretty much all I can remember from the interview. Like it was a shit show. The interview was a pure shit show. It was really just a wonderful piece of content for the internet that, um, that quote from Joseph Arbine Jr. about, um, black Americans not truly being black if they vote for Trump over him, that set the internet ablaze. (laughs) The memes the hilarious dub, video dubs. Of course, the internet did what the internet does. But my main problem um, and who I really want to get into, because I'm going to get into Southern black voters, um, but I'm going to let y'all have it after I let the mainstream media have it. So my main problem with this whole thing is the mainstream media's coverage of it. It was very quickly to, oh, Joe Biden apologizes. He apologizes after he um, said this statement. Um, But when I go to read the apology, all he said was that he shouldn't have been a wise guy. That's not an apology. That's not an apology at all. And he does not plan to apologize. And the way the mainstream media covers Joseph R. Biden Jr. pisses me off. It's one of the main reasons that I say his full name and call him Joseph R. Biden Jr. Because at the beginning of his presidential race, because he started, you know, way after everybody else, burning them was already well in their campaigns. When Joe Joseph R. Biden Jr. just decided to, I guess, wake his ass up, bitch, I'm up. Shout out to Cash Doll. Decided to wake his ass up and join the race midway through when we already had 20 candidates. At the beginning of his presidential campaign, it was Vice President Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden. Every time they had something to say about Joseph R. Biden Jr. at the beginning of the of the campaign, it was 
Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden. After the Tara Reid accusations dropped, and I'm sure a lot of people don't know a lot about the Tara Reid accusations because they're not very well covered, but one of his former staffers, Tara Reid, I think when he was a senator um, back in the 90s, one of his former staffers said that that Joseph R. Biden Jr. sexually assaulted her, that he reached up on her skirt and grabbed her by the pussy. The same thing y'all tried to get Trump out of here for, but apparently Joseph, this was, these are the accusations. These are the allegations against him. Ever since Terry came out with those accusations, when, when they do, the few times that they do cover the Terry accusations, in the story, they refer to him as Joseph R. Biden Jr. And at first, it puzzled me. Like, I had to go and do some Googles because I was like, who the fuck is Joseph R. Biden Jr.? I know, is that, do he have another son? Like, I know he got a son named Hunter, but do he have a son, a junior? I didn't realize at first that he was a junior. I'm just so used to him being just called Joe Biden. Whatever um, uh, suff- prefix you want to put on the front, whatever um, former president, former vice president, whatever you want to put on the front, but they always just called him Joe Biden. So I had to go like, look it up. Like, are these accusations, accusations against like somebody like his son or something like that? Like who was Joseph R. Biden Jr.? And, you know, once I came to my senses and realized that that we are talking about one and the same, I just, a light came on in my head and I'm just, the establishment and the mainstream media they are no longer hiding their ties. It's no longer a, we are, the media, the mainstream media is non-biased. We're just reporting the news. We're just reporting what's going on. That is no longer. If you're looking at these mainstream sources, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, they've all aligned their ties with the establishment Democrats. And you know, for the greater good, as they say, because they are just so gung-ho on beating Trump. Everybody wants to beat Trump, beat Trump, beat Trump, beat Trump. But at the same time, y'all are giving us the same game plan y'all gave us in 2016. Democrats, y'all finna take another L to Trump. This finna be y'all second L, and what y'all gonna do after that? What y'all gonna do? What y'all gonna do when y'all take two L's to Trump? How, how The scoreboard gonna look crazy. Two L's to Trump? The only way that... It makes sense to me that establishment Democrats would give us the same game plan they gave us in 2016 when y'all took y'all first L to Trump. The only way it makes sense to me that y'all would do the exact same thing is what y'all want a popular vote. So y'all think y'all gonna actually pull the popular vote in the Electoral College this time around? Joe Biden is alienating black voters. Like, I know y'all think y'all can't lose black voters because y'all just have always taken black voters for granted. And this is the part I'm finna transition to get into my, uh, my Southern black elders. I know every time we get out to the polls, we get out there and we vote, we vote, we vote Democratic. I know personally, I'm going to go vote regardless. I just cannot not vote. (laughs) Knowing the history of the civil rights movement, movement, knowing people here in the South, whose parents, grandparents, great-grandparents were slaves, were fighting in the civil rights movement, were fighting for us to get the right to vote. It just doesn't sit well within my, within my spirit. Hold on, let me take a little sip of water, y'all. I'm going too hard. It just doesn't sit well within my spirit to not vote. 
And I feel like for so many years, especially since Obama, y'all have taken the black vote for granted. Y'all feel like, oh, we're, we're, the Democrats feel like, oh, we're the, um, we're the party that gave y'all Obama. So y'all gonna vote for us regardless. At this point, I'm writing in Bernie Sanders. Like, (laughs) I can't do it. Like, the disrespect is too real. That interview and the way I have covered it since has been a slap in the face to black voters, to your black base, black American voter base that came out in droves in South Carolina and voted for Joseph R. Biden Jr. You slapped them all in the face with that shit. And y'all think it's okay. And y'all think we just going to be, we're fine with that because we want to beat Trump. Newsflash, Joseph R. Biden Jr. is Trump light. He grabbing him by the pussy and everything. So what's the difference? What's the difference? They both be rambling like crazy. Don't know what they talking about. You ask them a question. They just start rambling on into infinity and beyond about what the fuck they want to talk about. Neither one of them takes responsibility for their actions. The only difference with Trump is that he don't have a lot of political background to go off of. Biden, we know he voted for 1990 crime bill. We know some of the stuff he's put in place. Some of the stuff he, some of the legislation that he has voted for when he was a senator. He had a long, a long resume before he was picked as Obama's uh, vice president. That's why he was picked as Obama's running mate because Obama was new, fresh face, had been a senator, I think maybe one or two terms. And they needed somebody with a resume. The establishment needed somebody that they know, hey, we trusting this this kind of black guy. <laughs> but we need our establishment person in there. We need our Count Dooku. We need our we need our Palpatine in the fold. We need our undercover Sith in the fold to make sure that our plans go the way they need to need them to go. So as of right now, y'all, I'm writing in Bernie Sanders. I just cannot, with clear conscience and a clear mind and an open heart, go into their voting booth and vote for Joseph R. Biden Jr. I cannot do it. The only way I can see myself voting for Joseph R. Biden Jr. So let me not let me not tear the establishment down without extending a hand to lift them up. <laughs> the only way y'all can convince me to vote for Joseph R. Biden Jr. This running mate. It ain't even got to be a black woman. It No, let me say, let me say, it does actually have to be a black woman, but it cannot be any black woman. Don't give me no Kamala Harris. If y'all give me Elizabeth Warren, I'm really not. I'm writing in Bernie Sanders. I can't do it. Because E. Warren, I'm going to get on her in another episode, but she she flipped the script real hard on this. Don't give us no, don't give us no Klobuchar. Don't give us that lady from uh, Michigan. Don't give us that governor from Michigan. Give us a Stacey Abrams. Give us a progressive candidate. If you don't want to pick a black woman, I need somebody progressive. I know Bernie's a senator. He's not going to give up his spot, but give us another somebody within the progressive fold. I know um, Joseph R. Biden Jr. has a little... uh, has a little thorn in his paw over uh, the queen, Nina Turner. He feels some type of way because Nina Turner came for his life and her op-ed. But if he, if I can get an apology towards her, if I can get um, a um, olive branch, if I see an olive branch from the Biden campaign to Nina Turner, you put her on a task force, you ain't got to make her VP. I know you don't really trust her because she, she read your life of filth in that op-ed. 
<laughs> she let you have it. And I understand it's hard to, to work with people after they let you have it. But I need to see some type of olive branch, olive branch there. I need to see a genuine apology to black voters. If I don't see any, any of these things, I'm writing in Bernie Sanders and I encourage you to do the same. Because we as black voters have to push a message. We have, I understand we want to be Trump. I understand, I understand, I understand. And I get so frustrated with some of the black voices that I look up to. Some of these black voices in mainstream media. I ain't going to call nobody out specifically, but just know I've seen the tweets of y'all caping for Joe Biden. I've seen the stage dives of y'all becoming the damn love and hip-hop security guards fighting for Joe Biden and trying to knock people out of his way. Simone Sanders, we seen that, sis. I knew shit was going to go left after, after you done jumped out the crowd trying to save Joe Biden. I knew shit was going to go left then. <laughs> we seen it, boo. I wasn't going to call no names, but girl, we seen that. <laughs> we seen that. I understand y'all want to be Trump. But all of this caping for Joe Biden, all of this whataboutism, I've seen a lot of, yeah, Biden said that, but what about Trump saying this, this, that about the Jews? Or what about Trump saying this about bloodlines? Or what about Trump not wearing a mask? That is whataboutism, and it's a logical fallacy. And I'm honestly, I am honestly offended that these people that I have looked up to as, like I said, as black voices, as black people speaking out into the ethos, trying to make some changes out here. I am very disappointed that that's the first thing y'all jump to is some whataboutism. <sighs> if you have to jump to a logical fallacy to defend someone, they're probably indefensible. So... This whole thing is just making a lot of y'all look funny in the light. These Biden apologists, y'all looking funny in the light. Um, black voters, if y'all go, y'all come out in droves and vote for Joseph R. Biden Jr. again, y'all looking real funny in the light. Honestly, like I said, I'm not afraid of Trump. Another four years of Trump would actually maybe bring some sense into the establishment. And y'all will realize y'all got to stop treating y'all's constituents like this. Don't think just because... People don't want Trump that they automatically want y'all. I understand it's a two-party system, but two wrongs don't make a right. Hallelujah. Amen. Do Jesus. <laughs> All right. So I think that's enough for the political shit today. Let's get into some Southern shit. Let's start off this Southern shit segment. Uh, can't, I would be remiss if I didn't start out by saying um, rest in power to Ahmaud Arbery. Rest in power to Breonna Taylor, two recent um, mainstream newsworthy murders by police officers here in the South. Um, Ahmad was in Georgia and Breonna Taylor was in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, RIP to those to those wonderful people. I um, the Breonna Taylor story really really hit me hard because. And if you hear some um, huffing and puffing in the background, that's Chico trying to make his podcast debut. Uh, he just has to let everybody know he's here, child, that's all. But that Breonna Taylor story really, like I said, hit home for me because, like she was, I am a young healthcare worker. I live with my black man partner. Um, and 
we're in Alabama, so my black man partner definitely has a gun license, definitely has a gun to protect our home, to protect our living area, our living space. So it just really hit me hard because you really can't even exist as black people in America. It's like you want to just live and do and be normal and just live your life without fuckery, and fuckery is always afoot. So it creates this aversion to law enforcement, this PTSD almost, where it's like you see the popo coming, you just want to go the completely opposite way, child. You like, oh, I was going to go to the store, but damn the police outside. Let me just go on back in the house and starve until the police leave. <laughs> I laugh to keep from crying. It's really super fucking sad, but... To my people, stay prayed up, stay avid, stay loving on the people around you, and we're gonna make we gonna be all right. Like the great prophet Kendra Lamar said, we gonna be all right. Um, so states are opening back up. Miss Rona has released her grip just a tad. Well, she hadn't released her grip, but you know, y'all can go back outside. I personally am staying in the house as much as I can. But, you know, it's, it's states are reopening. It's okay to go back outside again. Um, make sure you're wearing your mask. Make sure you got some sanitizer. Make sure you're staying six feet away from people, um, especially in closed areas like restaurants, stores, stuff like that. Make sure you, you're keeping your distance. Um, but states are starting to reopen. And at the beginning of this uh, reopening phase, Atlanta caught a lot of slack. Y'all was letting Atlanta have it because them folks was trying to go outside. But here's my thing. Atlanta really is like the black Mecca of the South. Like a lot of Southern, young Southern people, like born and raised in the South, they move to Atlanta when they, when they ready to get out of their, their smaller city, their smaller hometown, and they're ready to really, you know, make something of themselves. You know, you want to get out there and get it on your own in the big city. And Atlanta has become that big city. So there's just so much to do outside in Atlanta. Like <laughs> I remember being younger in being like school age and going to Atlanta for field trips. CNN is the big CNN uh, towers in Atlanta, uh, the Georgia Aquarium, the Coca-Cola factory. So it's a lot to do in Atlanta. It's really uh, an outside type of place, especially when you get grown. I mean, there's just so much to do, see, and just so much to eat, like so much good food. <laughs> Plus, with it becoming the black mecca, with that comes a rise in the cost of living. So, it's super expensive to live in Atlanta proper. Like, you know, you can live on the outskirts, Alpharetta, Duluth, Conyers, stuff like that for a little bit cheaper. But if you want to live in the city proper, you're going to need a roommate. (laughs) You're going to need someone to help you with those bills because it's more expensive. So, I feel like the Atlanteans... The ATLians that, you know, jumped out when um, when the quarantine stay-at-home order was lifted and ran outside, we have to be kind and um, lenient with them because sometimes people be living like it, like it's a dormitory in Atlanta, child. It might be four or five people in a two-bedroom. You, ne- you never know how many twin beds is in one of them bedrooms. So it's real life. Like, if you want to if you wanna live in Atlanta, sometimes you have to live on top of people. So, of course, if you're quarantined with more than two people in a two-bedroom apartment, eventually it's going to get old. Eventually it's going to get tired. and You're going to yearn to be outside. 
So cut the people in Atlanta a break, y'all. They just they was ready to get outside, child. It, it's 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 getting warm. The peaches is out. The male peaches and the female peaches, baby. All all the nice asses is out, okay? <laughs> so they was ready to get out there and see those. Um, last but not least in our southern section. So today is Sunday. Today is Sunday, May 24th. Y'all had to look at the calendar. I've been inside so long. I didn't forgot what what month it is. We almost done with May. And tonight is the last part, part three of the, oh, bless you, Chico. Part three of the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion, child. So I love Real Housewives of Atlanta. That is one of the few reality shows I still watch. That and 90 Day Fiance, those are my shows. So I'll probably come and come on here next week and talk about 90 Day Fiance. But Real Housewives of Atlanta is having the part three of their reunion tonight, and they've had a completely virtual reunion. The virtual reunion has gone really well. I actually low-key like it better than the live um, studio recorded reunion because one, Andy Child be on that mute button. <laughs> when the ladies get to arguing, Andy be like, mute, mute. So that is a, a wonderful feature. You can mute some of that arguing. And two, I feel like the ladies are more comfortable in their own homes and they can really, you know, go in, let have, like, child, it has just been a a smorgasbord of foolishness going on on these reunions. I kind of want to get into the casting for next season. Who do y'all think the housewives should bring back? I think Chico thinks, Chico is definitely a Nene fan. That's why he's doing all this huffing and puffing, because he knows I'm about to go in and let have on Nene leaks. But, Chico, you're just going to have to be mad because I really feel like Nene shouldn't come back. Like, <sighs> Nene is just, okay, so here's my thing. Because Nene and Kenya are the same person. They really are. But the thing about Kenya that makes her more, like, TV savvy, because I definitely, I feel like Kenya should come back. But the thing, because the thing about Kenya that makes her more TV savvy is that although she hides rocks, throws rocks and hides her hand, She'll come, she'll give it back to you. She'll argue with you. She'll be like, you know, I don't care. I'm not taking any responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Like, she gonna go back and forth with you. Nene, she gonna toss a rock. And then before you can, before she even got a chance to hide her hand, she's slamming the laptop down and running for the hills. Like, girl, you have to be able to get into the trenches with these ladies. Like, you're throwing all this shade and, and saying all these crazy things on your YouTube channel and on the internet about these ladies. And then when they come back and approach you about it, you, you're trying to tuck tail and run. So Nene child, she can go like, Nene, you're tired. She can go. Um, I definitely feel like Candy and Kia should stay. Portia is my absolute fave. I don't give a fuck. Portia is my fave. <laughs> I'm always team Portia. She definitely needs to stay. Um, Eva, Eva, I'm going to say she should stay because I feel like her storyline will get better now that she kind of has a stable home for her and her family. And I just don't want her to lose her check. Like, she just got her peach checks rolling in and she didn't got her house. Like, I just don't want her to lose her peach checks yet. So, Eva, she can come on back. Cynthia can go. Really, if Cynthia um, moves to L.A. and then joined... Um, Garcelle, Bouvard, 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 however you say that, I'm Southern, um, Joyce Garcelle on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, that would be cute, I would be here for that, but Cynthia back on Atlanta, nah, 
I love you, Fifty Cent, but she ain't really, she ain't really doing much um, anymore on the show. Uh, Tanya, Tanya's a little too. She she a little too Canadian for these girls. Like these are true Atlanta, give it to you Southern women. Like Tanya just ain't ready to get in the trenches with them either. So she can go, or she could just continue to be a friend in the show. I honestly feel like they should give um, Marlo a peach. Marlo deserves a peach. She's put in that work. She's got the mom tea storyline. Um, you know, she took in her nephew, so that could be her storyline next season, you know, besides, you know, who she fucking or whose fashion she's stolen. So I really feel like Marlo could bring a lot to the show. And I like Marlo. I like to see her when she comes in there with the cast and she looks good. Like Marlo is she got some ass. She was cut up. I was like, damn, Marlo, what you be eating? You got you gotta be vegan. <laughs> um and I think is that all the ladies I think that's all the ladies but yeah really Nene Nene can go 50 Cent can go and Tanya can go and bring if y'all if y'all are gonna get rid of these ladies bring in some younger girls like bring in some younger I know it's some Somebody from the Hawks or the Falcons, somebody got a wife that will want to be on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, there's some housewife somewhere in Atlanta that wants to be on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Find her, grab her. Ow, hit my finger. Find her, grab her, and make her part of the team. Oh, and I would be remiss if I did not use this opportunity to yell from the top of the Highest rooftops. Bring back Phaedra, goddammit. Bring back Phaedra. Oh my god, I miss me some Phaedra Parks. Like that was my girl. I know I know she lied. I know she lied on Candy, but it was really all a scheme that Ty had set up to come to us with the bullshit. So it's been years. Bring back Phaedra. That's my good sis. I love her. She's always a good time. And yes, that's gonna end our southern shit. Um, for today's episode, I have a little bit of basketball shit to get into and then the bless your heart segment. So for basketball shit, um, basketball has been canceled y'all. This has been just, oh, just such a terrible time, but ESPN has, um, appeased us a little bit with the last dance documentary. I actually want to come to you guys and give a more full in-depth um, breakdown of the last dance. I've watched eight out of 10 episodes. I ain't gonna lie. I fell asleep on nine and 10 child. That Sunday night I was tired. So I want to go through and, um, watch the episodes again, take some notes. And then I want to give y'all a full in-depth review on that. Um, I can't say this one thing. It didn't change my mind. I, LeBron is still the greatest player in my mind to me. Like, but like I said, I'm going to give y'all too much on LeBron today. Just know my mind has not been changed. And I will explain why in further in uh, the episode when we talk about the last dance. Um, but I did watch this other documentary on HBO called The Scheme. I don't know if you guys have seen that. If you haven't, definitely go check it out. Like I said, it's on HBO. And it's about um, Christian Dawkins, who was a... Um, he was basically like a wannabe agent. He did a lot of um, in-between uh, work with players in AAU and high school, trying to get them into colleges. And 
uh, players in colleges trying to be their agent when they went to the league. So he was one of those, you know, managerial type guys. And Chad, the FBI set him up. They uh, <laughs> they came to him with the bullshit and got him all in this scheme. They were trying to get together to bring down some of the NCAA coaches. It only furthered my deep um, internal sense of fuck the NCAA. And I definitely recommend you guys to check that out. So um, next episode, we talk about basketball shit. We'll discuss Last Dance, and I'll go in a little bit further into the scheme. I'll give you guys a little bit of a chance to go check that out. But it's a really, really good documentary. And now we're going to close out the episode with Bless Your Heart. The Bless Your Heart segment is... Just going to be me giving some good Southern auntie advice to somebody in mainstream media, to somebody um, who's in the news for doing something foolish. Okay, child. It's a it's a very nice way to tell somebody about themselves. As we do here in the South, you will um, let somebody just have it, you know, just give them everything they need about themselves. But you put bless your heart on it and it makes it just a little bit softer. So this week's bless your heart goes out to Doja Cat. Doja, sweetheart, do you need a hug? I felt like I was a little too old for you when you were out here mooing like a milk cow child, but your album was really, really cute. Now the internet is lighting you up and it's not looking good, baby. They said you were on something called a tiny chat, letting lonely white boys call you a bed witch. That's just awful. I was perusing the YouTubes and one of the last few real journalists in America lovely tea shout out to her on youtube she had a 40 minute video on you and baby mm, she had some receipts there were videos and racist tweets and racist songs using some kind of racist lingo i hadn't even heard of before miss doja cat that was doja whack it really looks like you don't love yourself boo and that's just sad you are very open about never meeting your daddy a true failure on his part And though you've never met him, you still hold half his DNA. Genetics are unchanging like God's hand. Get you some help, baby. You deserve that. Talk space, better help, a good auntie with some mammy titties. But unfortunately, I don't think you have one of those. Get you some good black girlfriends. I know you have a disdain for blackness in your heart due to your lack of daddy, but we, the general black populace, didn't hurt you. A good black girlfriend can teach you how to cleanse your scalp and your heart of wickedness. Also, Doja Baby, stay off the alt-right side of Al Gore's internet. It's a scary place that will only further your dislike of parts of yourself that cannot be changed. I ain't going to cancel you, but I am going to put you on the sick and shut-in list so the entire congregation can pray for you, baby. Doja Cat, bless your little heart. All right, ladies and gents, we have come to the end of the episode. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Please make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter, Mouth of the South Pod. That's M-O-U-F-S-O-U-F. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Slight Shade, Slight underscore Shade. And all episodes will be up on Apple Podcasts, on my YouTube channel. And all of that stuff is in in the description box below. Thank y'all for tuning in, and as we say down here in the South, never believe that fat meat ain't greasy. Mm.